cricket Dreaming about a premiership cup We love our clubs but they never win Two flags in 100 years That shit house if you think we'll be insightful Clever or just well researched to say that's not the case We'll just go out and wing it We are two guys, one it is Wednesday, the 7th of April. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL-adjacent podcast. My name is William James Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson, and I can't believe I'm here again, getting my hopes up for a new season of football, only to have them dashed against the rocks. Like so many children of imperfect nature in that movie 300, <laughs> thrown to the wolves. Oh, God damn it. I hate football sometimes, Will. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I mean, here's the problem. Not only did St Kilda have such a terrible weekend, but to watch Josh Bruce have such a good weekend at the same time, it's like not only has your life fallen apart, but your ex-partner is suddenly just like they've got themselves in shape. They're just like killing it at their job. They're in a much more successful relationship. It just must be hard. That just adds insult to the injury. Quits drinking, having his second child. Everything looks good for Josh Bruce. Although this is what Josh Bruce does. Like he kicked six goals for you last year, right? Mm. Let's see what happens in the next couple of weeks. I still think there are some ki- balls kicking balls into his own face games coming up. I believe that my my strategy of getting uh, Josh Bruce's face behind the goals is working. This is, I mean, from the minute I suggested it on the podcast that we just have mini Josh Bruce faces behind the goals, he has straightened up and cannot stop kicking goals. What do you think is the psychology of like... Round three, kind of. There's there's two. There's there's the armchair experts, and there's also the people with hindsight in round three. Like a month ago, people were tipping St Kilda, including myself, including probably you, potentially being a top four side. Sydney weren't even going to make the finals. GWS were going to bounce back. Like to quote our other favourite football podcast, Junk Time AFL. I feel like I'm throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I am so freaked out about what I've seen in the last two weeks from the St Kilda Football Club. Is it just this kind of uh, like early season panic that we all go through? Will the ship right itself or are we seeing what will be the blueprint for the rest of the year? Don't know and it excites me. I've not felt this excited about football for a very long time. I think part of it is the fact that we watched it without crowds in a reduced form last year, so we're so grateful that it's back. Part of it is clearly the reduction in interchanges. Part of it is this amazing rule that I'm sure at some stage, and we even saw on Easter Monday, coaches learning how to slow it down again and make the game boring again. But now that we as supporters have seen that the game can... We all had resigned ourselves to the fact that the game could never go back to what it was. We could never see forwards kicking big bags. We could never see those massive high marks. We could never see free uh, flowing football again. It would be these rolling balls and that was just the way of the game these days. And then uh, the simplest of all rules that you should just stand there when you're on the mark. Like it's at the start of the season, I honestly was like, yeah, that will make no difference. I don't know what you're talking about. That is the most ridiculous rule change. And it's, Genius. It has just brought back all the best elements of the game. But there are some teams clearly that it gives great advantage to. And there are some teams that are at the moment struggling to adapt their game to how it's changed the game immediately. And 
they're saying at the moment, you know, no one will claim responsibility. Who came up with the rule? Because everyone's like, well, this is the best rule of all time. It saved the yeah. game. Who's come up with this rule? And no one's... My suggestion is, in these situations, you've got to look to the person who is most advantaged by the rule change. And there is one person, definitely, who is most advantaged by the rule change. Tex Walker. John Longmire. Well, I was going to say Tex... Well, that's good. Could be Tex Walker. If we have to put together a list of suspects, <laughs> number two is Tex Walker. Number one is John Longmire in my book. Because they have gone from being... I thought they were going to be bottom two, and now they're possibly going to be top two. They, The game has been reinvented in a way that suits all the strengths that they have. And then Buddy Franklin, who's just taken two years off the game while it was hard, had a baby... Mm bought a new house you know he's, he's he's just ready to come back and kick bags in this new game that's completely suited to him in that role it's also well the sydney thing is is interesting because i was a skeptic definitely a skeptic still don't know who most of the players are but i did actually watch that richmond game and was like holy shit the very thing that i was kind of mocking john longmire for or like this idea of the of them kind of investing in their youth last year it's 100 percent what's happening and it's hard to sort of see, like I, I know you don't win premierships in April and all that kind of shit, but it's sort of hard to see how this momentum stops. Like it will eventually stop. They'll come up against a team. They'll have a day where they're off. Young kids get tired or whatever. But the blueprint is now there. It's funny, thinking about my situation with the Saints, and we were the exciting team last year. We were the run and gun team, small forwards buzzing around, you know. And then I think we just got to the end of the year and it's like, oh, well, well, (laughs) we're St Kilda. We made finals. We can take a year off. We can take 10 years off. That's what we do at the Saints. But, But then you sort of see that, you know, Sydney do it. And not only does Sydney do it, but there is a coach there who's won a flag, you know, in his time at the club. Like, I feel like, you know, you can teach a team to do that, but then getting it into their their, their DNA so that they, it stays with them. Like, that's a different psychological aspect. Like, I'm wondering what Brett Ratton, what he's been doing this week. Because clearly our fault is not in the player's ability. It's just effort and work rate. They don't want to work hard. They don't want to chase. They don't want to do anything. And then you look at Sydney where they play. I mean, they weren't even playing an undermanned Richmond. Richmond were doing their normal Richmond things. But they just had more enthusiasm. They just wanted to be out there. They just loved playing that that youthful exuberance. It was in everything. It, they and this is why. I, and I, I mean, it makes us all look like idiots that somehow we thought that John Longmire, who, like you said, premiership coach, could be a multiple premiership coach, like has had that team consistently in the finals, like has one of the best records as a coach of anyone coaching in the game, and could be. Clarko, but for the ball bouncing a different way on a few different occasions. Like, literally has that level of record. And they had one bad season, and we assumed he had no other plans. Yeah. Whereas, absolutely, what he was doing was, no, 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 I'm going to take this season, and I'm going to put in place everything that I need to come back next season, and then I'm going to go into AFL House, and I'm going to whisper to somebody, horse whisperer, if I will, that we should have a new rule <laughs> where people have to stand on the mark, and then my entire diabolical plan will come together. What about the the academy? I mean, isn't that amazing as well? Like, literally, Sydney have got pretty much their own draft. Like, it's a draft that only they can enter. <laughs> like, it's crazy. And I'm not against it. I think this is what, you know, they should be doing all, all across Australia. There should be, like, heaps of these academies. It's just harder in a, in a state where there's 10 teams all competing for the same talent. But it's just, like, they're identifying these, like, 10- and 11-year-olds who are like, 
Well, that kid looks like he's got ability. Why don't we just put him in some, I assume it's some underground bunker somewhere like <laughs> well, like it's Ivan Drago. They just they just have him running, this kid running laps for the next eight years until his draft age. I mean, it does feel like that, particularly when they you know, produce those photos of like, you know, the two rising stars tossing the coin before a game three years ago and stuff. And you're like, oh my God, this is like some Christopher Nolan thing where we realize totally. these kids have been characters in this story for the last the three or four time. years. Oh my God, that's them as a kid. Kid. this is being told yeah. backwards in time <laughs> like yeah it's, it's a jj abrams plot where he's like in season one he plants something that'll pay off in season four right and that's what it does feel a bit like with maybe that's what uh horse has done maybe he's looked to you know because they're always looking outside the game you know whether they're looking to like soccer that's where that team defense came in they look to american football you know they try to learn things from around the world maybe horse has expanded maybe in the lockdown he had a lot more time to <laughs> watch Hollywood I don't movies. I don't, don't want to think about horse expanding. <laughs> he watched this a lot of really J.J. Abrams, you know, watched watch some loss, caught up with Star Wars, and he's like, this is a guy I think my game plan could learn a little from. Well, yeah, you also forget that he spent the most amount of time under the guy who teams go to when they need their club rescued, like Paul Ruse. Right. Like, Paul Ruse is, and he he's probably had the closest working relationship with one of the greatest coaches of all time. And like you said, did we all just forget what John Lonmeyer's like training and background was? Like, oh, he fluked his way into a premiership in 2012? No, the guy's smart. He knows what he's doing. Uh, the ball bounces the other way in the grand final. There's a couple of different free kicks in the grand final and they win in 2016. Like they were the best team in the competition in 2016 and the Bulldogs, yeah. you know, had that great run in the finals. But, you know, the Swans are consistently a good team and I was one of those people that they had a bad season and I assumed they'd be bad for ages instead of realising that John Longmire probably had a, a plan. Yeah. It's funny though, like, it doesn't make their supporters any easier to deal with. Like, at some point, Sydney supporters... I think the general goodwill uh, afforded them by the rest of the AFL public has shifted. Like, we liked it in 2005 when they won the flag. We even gave them 2012, you know, they beat Hawthorne and, you know, Adam Goods on one leg and all that kind of stuff. But now, if they win a flag this year, I think they quickly become like the West Coast of the East, you know, or the Collingwood of, you know, uh, of New South Wales. Because it's just, there's a little bit of a strut about their supporters. Good for the game. success now. Good for the game if that happens. That's why I'm 100% behind the academy. Like they put 1,200 people or something through that academy and they've got 12 picks out of it or whatever it is. They do a lot yeah. of work to find those really good players. They should be able to keep them. And if you're building a powerhouse club like a West Coast Eagles in New South Wales, that can only be good for the game. Yeah, I mean, the only problem with their academy is they do have that division, which is just players who can make sound effects with their mouths. Mm. And I don't really know how that uh, features in future plans with the Sydney Swans. Yeah, they're, they're looking for a really tall guy, though. <laughs> On the, and in their AFLW side, they've got a really quiet girl <laughs> who just shouts at the end of every game really unexpectedly. <laughs> But you must be loving football. Like that kind of thrashing. I haven't seen the Saints dish out one of those in a long time. That must have just been like real enjoyable just to sit back and soak all that in. Well, I've never really seen the Bulldogs dish out one. That I've, I mean, it was a record-breaking game for the Bulldogs. So literally never seen it. So, yeah. I mean, look, you know that you've got to be a bit careful about the victory when even the coach of the winning team is 
first offering sympathy for the situation the opposition is in. <laughs> like Bevo really led pretty hard with, to the point where I was like, Bevo, you're making it worse. Like they don't need your pity right now. But he was really going, you've got to understand, North are not in a really good place right now. It was like he was talking through, like you'd had a bad interaction with somebody and he was like, you know what, they're just not in a good place right now. They're having a really hard time at work. You've just got to... You got just got to be cool. They're probably going to be a little bit more erratic than they normally have been, and that's what Bevo was like defending North Melbourne. But at the same time, it was fun. Like it was, of course, it's fun. It's fun to see somebody kick ten goals. It's fun to mm. see like, and this is what I I don't mind a blowout. I think blowouts are often some of the most exciting games. It was the West Coast Port Adelaide game. I watched that thinking it was going to be this absolute, you know, close game and Tight I contest. I picked Port to win. It was a blowout and it was made no more no less interesting for the fact that it was a blowout because once it was a blowout you're like let's watch Liam Ryan take hangers and let's watch like yeah. people kick spectacular goals and let's watch Josh Kennedy just like dominate down four. like it was fun to watch. I think that Liam Ryan, Mark, is sensational, but I feel like the camera angles haven't done it justice. There's been other Mark of the Year contenders where, you know, the camera is just in exactly the right spot. You want it to sort of be on ground level, side on, so you can see like, but because it's sort of high, I mean, one angle is sort of like up above. You don't see, you don't get a proper sense of, of the elevation. And even the, the, the other angle, it's like they didn't quite get the angle right. It's... A spectacular mark. I'm not taking anything away. I just wish that the Channel 7 cameraman had just captured it a bit better. Well, I was going to say that the best bit about it, and it's a hard thing to replicate, particularly in photos, because often what will happen with a photo is that you'll get that shot at the peak moment and it makes the mark look even more spectacular than it was because you've captured a stillness in a moment that wasn't still. They probably just grabbed the ball there and then fell to the ground, but you've captured it forever. Whereas he... He, he basically took a photo himself in the mark. Like he jumped up there and then had to wait there like for the photos and then mark the ball. And so the thing that was most spectacular about it wasn't the highest point of it. It was the fact mm. that he had to pause and just hover in midair in between the market. If you're the player who gets mark of the year taken on you, like... Is that one of those things like, you know, Nick Revolt never wants to see that footage of him being tackled in the goal square in the grand final ever again. Are you able to put it aside and go, yeah, that was a great grab. Like, does Gary Pert look at that, you know, mark that Gary Ablett took over him and go, you know what, time's passed. I'm actually, I'm happy to be included in that. Or is it something that always like just eats at you? Who was it that was under Liam Ryan? Um, uh, Burn Jones Brass? or whatever his name is? No, Brass plays for West Coast. No, what's the... Um, <laughs> A guy from Port Adelaide who made the with the mullet who made the Australian. Who won the best in, he, he won their best in Ferris. Yeah, didn't he? all Australian team. Know. Let's just call him Johnny McCluckluck. Okay, Johnny McCluckluckage. <laughs> no, Johnny McCluckluck. Oh, sorry, oh, I was being ridiculous. So, <laughs> Johnny McCluckluck. <laughs> he, um, I think he might have been the one who was under Liam Ryan, and whoever it was they should claim part of the mark because if they had not stood up, if they had not, and mm. you see it, that they're trying to, they hold their ground underneath him. And the reason he can stay up there is literally because whoever it is, Johnny McCluckluck underneath is, <laughs> is pushing up and Liam Ryan gets to stay there. So they're definitely part of, no, they, no, no, no. They like, if Liam Ryan wins a car, 
I would yeah. say one day a month he has to give um, Johnny McCluckluck a drive. Johnny McCluckluck a lift. <laughs> or a lift to the shops. Yeah. You gave me a uh, lift, I'll give you a lift. You, do you remember that famous photo of Jack Dyer, the black and white one, where it looks like he's slapping the dude? I think it sort of became... It was the foundation for the footy show logo. It's that one. It's like a real Captain Blood, you know, and he's slapping. looks like he's slapping a Saints player's head's turned. I went to school with the grandson of the guy in the photo who uh, uh, Jack Dyer slapping the shit out of. And that granddad was honoured. Honoured. I mean, maybe it was a different time, like the 1930s or 40s. You wanted Captain Blood to slap the shit out of you, but he only played like 20-odd games or something like that. And his greatest claim to fame was that super famous photo yeah. of Jack Dyer being the scariest man in the field. I'm the other that guy. It was me who was slapping me. the shit out of yeah. <laughs> I'm literally the other dude. I had the close-up to that because it was actually my face he was slapping. <laughs> I've well, never no, washed this us. cheek again. Like, granddad, it's been 50 years. Never washed it. He told us that it wasn't, that the photo actually misrepresented what happened. He said he wasn't being slapped. He said that they were both chasing the ball. It bounced at an odd angle and he turned his head as Jack Dyer lifted his hand up to change direction. And what it looks like is Jack Dyer's given a big slap across the face. Oh, so, so the whole thing's a fucking lie. Is that what you're saying? fake. <laughs> I'm a truther. This is like this a Jack, Blood It wasn't even a slap. The entire basis of this game is based on a fallacy. Now, of all the... The thumpings, the, uh, the the Port Adelaide loss, the Saints loss, and the North Melbourne loss. I think that the Saints one is more catastrophic, even though we did not lose by as much as North Melbourne did. Like, we lost to a team that had, like, I think it was seven or eight players who had played less than 20 games. Like, they had no ruckman, they had no midfield. It was as bad a performance. And, look, I grew up watching the Saints in the 80s, but I honestly cannot think of a worse performance in recent memory. Maybe the Good Friday game in 2017 when we played North Melbourne and neither team could kick the ball properly. But I had really set myself up all week to watch this game. I was like, well, I missed the Melbourne game. I heard we weren't very good, but this is going to be our bounce back game. This is going to be the game where we play ourselves into form. And just watching it, it's like, run, chase, <laughs> like lay a shepherd, do something. It was, you would have thought that they were just like on a, playing a completely different game it was i because I, I was like oh maybe i, I don't want to dip my toe into what the online chatter is about the saints but man saints fans were ropeable it was the kind of i was texting with a friend who's a Saints supporter and i was like it's almost a season killer a game like that because fans get so dispirited who the who the hell is going to want to front up to watch the eagles after a game like that if that's what you think that you're going to see from your team it was just so so bad Okay, but the, yes, it was terrible. And I saw some footage that made... I didn't see the game, but I saw some footage that made them look like they were not running very fast or trying very hard. And I don't know whether that was the case or not, but... Um, it was the case. There was definitely, was definitely. They, there was definitely <laughs> no enough footage for them to show on a footy show as an example of them not doing that. Did not look great. Here's no. the thing I would say. is Last week, Essendon did not look great. I thought they were terrible. And then suddenly they were okay. Week to week at the moment, I think teams are still sorting out who's good and who's bad. And I also think that this new you know, rule and way that we're playing, I think probably means that if you get on top, I don't think that West Coast are that much better a team than Port Adelaide. I think West Coast got on top. And in the current game, once you're on top, you can really blow it out you know a bit just because 
the other team can't shut it down in the way that they used to be able to shut it down. So, you know, it would not surprise me if like West Coast are flying, St Kilda look terrible and then St Kilda come out on the weekend and beat West Coast and none of us understand what's going on. St Kilda played so badly that Nick Revolt referred to them in the same terms he uses normally for Reece Stanley. He called them a bunch of Reece Stanleys, I believe. <laughs> yeah. He said, today you played like a bunch of Reece Stanleys. Yeah, I saw him on the couch. He's like, well, I don't like saying this, but I'm going to have to use the R word. Yeah. The Saints are a bunch of Reece Stanleys. <laughs> and the S word, Reece Stanley. I'll use them both, so I don't care. Yeah, it was so bad. Like it, one of those, it was one of those moments where I'm like, I don't... Oh, like in this, how long we've been doing this show now? Five, this is our fifth year. Yep. In that time I've had, there's been one season in which I have derived more enjoyment from the football than you have. And you've had a pretty good run. You've played finals most of that time. You won a grand final in the very first season. It's our sixth yeah, year, did. by the way, which is, I just, oh, it's our 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. So this is our sixth okay. year of doing this. Oh my God. Why? So quick. <laughs> Why are we doing this? Why have we kept doing this? More to the point, why do people listen to this shit? Yeah, I know. We shouldn't keep reminding them of that. Well, I don't want another... I don't want another year where I have to front up to talk about a game that I'm avoiding at all costs because my team sucks. Like, look, I'm sure... Even if we get to one and six, which could potentially happen seeing as we play West Coast, Richmond and Port in the next three weeks, mm. like we could get to one and six. I Or if you win two out of those three, you're back on track for the for the 100%. season. Look, I think if we win one of those games, if we're two and four, I'm okay with that because I think, you know, we play Port Adelaide in Adelaide. Richmond, who we never beat, I think we play them at MCG maybe. West Coast is the big one. Like this will be the big test. They're coming off a huge win. They've got an they've got an informed midfield. Nick Natanui, that's the problem for us. I think as we drastically underestimated what uh, having no rucks would do to our midfield. Because our midfield last year looked pretty good. You know, Jack Steele, Seb Ross, you had Gresh going through there before he got injured. And then... Suddenly you take away first use of the ball and we're just chasing all the time and we're not particularly quick. <laughs> I mean, they have the capacity to really embarrass you. There is no doubt about that because their greatest strength is something that you guys could get like... like I mean, watching Nick Nat on Saturday night, I just can't remember seeing somebody ruck as elegantly as... He was rucking like Michael Jordan plays basketball. Like he was doing no-look mm. taps to set plays through the center. You know, they just like yeah. run off the line. He's looking one way, tapping it the other way, straight into the arms of someone who kicks it down to Josh Kennedy or Jack Darling and they kick a goal. Like it's pretty irresistible football to watch. And I, yes, I can see St Kilda having a really hard time. Well, I mean, St Kilda's midfield, Gresham out for the season, a lot of heat on them being too slow and not running hard enough. You either come out this week against this fancy opposition and, you know, like fly the flag or yeah it does look then suddenly i'm like well who am i going to do the podcast with adam spencer i'm sure will be happy to come on and talk about the swans <laughs> well have you heard the term rabble used in any other context other than to describe a football team um rabble i've never heard it in any other context but it is the perfect descriptor for St Kilda at the moment. Rabble. They just look like a bunch of, uh, a, there's no cohesion. They're just selfish. They're all running around. The only person is is Jack Steele, who I didn't realise, but had 35 touches 
in that game, which is amazing because we didn't touch the ball. It felt like we didn't touch the ball once. But people talk about, well, maybe you can rove, set your midfield to rove to Nick Natanui's touches. But like you're saying, the guy does no look taps. How are you going to – he doesn't telegraph where the ball's going. They have their set plays. You, there's no way you can set up to to rove to his tap. It's work. different to uh, Collingwood because that's what Buckley was talking about about Collingwood, right? Grundy dominated the hitouts, but if people know that Grundy's going to dominate the hitouts, they can set up their midfield to sort of you know attack the ball around what Grundy's doing. You can't do that with Nick Nat because he yeah. can also change in midair. Like they're running two options at all times and he's going to pick and he gets up there. He looks to see which side is covered and then he taps it the other way. It's, I've never seen anything like it. It, it just was magnificent to watch. And because he's featured so heavily in making their mark, I actually have done a bit of a YouTube dive on Nick Natanui highlights. The other amazing thing is watching how his body has changed over the years. Like he used to be like a really lean beanpole kind of super athletic ruckman. And then in the last sort of five years, he's just put on all this weight, muscle, and he's now this tank. He's still, like, his leap's not what it used to be. He's still got a great leap, but the dude is just a giant. <laughs> like, he's so big and it's so strong. And then still has a vertical leap that is probably better than most ruckmen in the competition. It's just, just such a scary prospect. Yeah, you can understand, like, how we've been robbed from the game, not having him play all the time. But you can also understand that on behalf of every other team in the competition, we're a bit grateful that's been the case because West Coast would have won seven premierships in a row. But it's insane that he didn't poll higher in the Brownlow last year. Because again, when you watch this sort of this uh, documentary series and you see just how influential and dominant he was and he won their best and fairest last year, it's like he's a midfielder. Surely, you know, it's a midfielder's medal. How, how did he not poll more votes? Just really nasty to the umpires. <laughs> just constantly trash talking the umpires in that uh well i've found a pocket profile okay um, that i thought you might enjoy uh this is for uh, uh, jack lacosis lacosius um from the the gold coast suns i'm trying to get into the suns because of my love of stewie jew uh they're making it hard they're making it hard because they should have won that game against adelaide and they gave it away they've got no ruckman now like the saints they're, they're going into this round with no ruckman sort of hard to see them win it's not going well for um, the suns i will say like i i would like I, it to be going better they've got a lot of upside but they need a little bit of luck and they're not having much luck at the moment and bloody cane twerp corns decided to have a little chip little chip at uh at stewie jew says twerp, that he, twerp, you can't twerp, coach. Twerp. it's me on the cane um, line twerp, twerp. <laughs> what did twerp have to say about stewie jew that he uh, doesn't know how to coach no. <laughs> pretty no. much that what is he doing okay. as a coach right. he's slow to react he's uh, not he's, he doesn't ha he doesn't have a set game plan he's coaching from the sidelines when he, can't, he needs to be up in the box this constant debate too about where the coach positions themselves like as if as if it like it really matters is so bizarre to me like do you think that they don't they haven't planned this. It's not like each coach is something like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go stretch my legs, boys. Uh, I'll leave it to you up here. I'm just going to go uh, walk down to the ground and get a bit of fresh air. No, no, there is a, Lee, a set plan. Lee with. Matthews was saying the other day that you often actually get a better view on the TV. <laughs> so <laughs> it doesn't really, no. I mean, whatever works, but like the twerp's got a twerp. You can't blame cane corns for twerping because that's what a twerp yeah. does. It's Monday morning. He's got a little like, you know, he probably has a, like a notebook, I'd imagine, Kane Corns. And over the weekend, he goes, 
his what's my twerp list? You know, what's my top five okay. twerps that I'm going to get going early on in the week? Stewie Jew can't coach. N- nice one. Hypothetical. You uh, find yourself at a lake. You need to get to the other side. There's a scorpion there who needs a ride, but there's also Kane Cords who needs a ride. <laughs> who are you taking over? Uh, Who's less likely to bloody play to their base nature when they're on your back? Well, I'm going to say... Uh, oh god I mean it would be a hard decision is what I'm saying <laughs> I'd probably eventually go with Cornsey but it'd be a hard decision I would ask the Scorpions uh, opinions on football <laughs> so, what do you think about Stewie Jew yeah okay alright what is uh, Jack Lukosius's nickname it's a it's it's a fairly common Australianism to do with his surname oh uh, Lukosius yeah. Um, Australian uh, Lucker Lucky Luco Luco I would have loved it would be more Lukosius I feel like it needs something Luco better than that like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious or something Lukosius. <laughs> yeah but you're not going to call that out when you want to hand. quick hands yeah but then it goes to like Poppins Mary Poppins oh, Mary yeah. Dick Van Hail Dyke. Mary oh yeah Dick Van Dyke yeah. Dick yeah. Cock <laughs> we call him Cock <laughs> What are his pre-game superstitions or routines? Um, okay, I'll make it easy for you. One is a, a meal the night before, and the other one is a drink on game day. Uh, okay, on game day, Jägermeister, definitely. <laughs> and, no, he has a uh, coffee. He has a coffee, uh, a smoothie. He has a he has a green juice of some kind. It's something very not very common to a, a football changing room. A, uh, a Gatorade. Yes, he has a blue Gatorade on game day. What does he eat the night before? Yeah, okay, blue Gatorade on game day. Is it pasta? It's pasta. <laughs> One of the three carbs you're allowed to eat when you're a footballer. Um, okay, greatest individual effort you've seen on the footy field. Um, let me just say this. It was Blank's five goals for South Australia in the under-18s last year. And this person is now a teammate of his. Uh, five goals for South Australia last year. Oh, so who's from South Australia who's playing up there? It's a, a player who... Uh, so this was this interview was from last year. Oh, so okay. It's a player who, was dra- who played his first game last year. Okay. And it's probably, when you think about the Suns and think about their most exciting player... Oh, um, oh yes. I, I, I know who we're talking about, but I can't just remember his name at the moment. What's his name? Isaac. Isaac uh, Hayes. <laughs> Isaac Keeney. Isaac... I can't remember what he's... Rankin. Name. Rankin, Rankin, that's Rankin. it. Isaac yeah, Rankin. Sorry. Um, okay, so this is a joke answer. Uh, a player from another team that you'd love to play with. This is obviously a buddy of his. He plays for Geelong. I've never heard of him. His name is Ben Jarvis. Is it Ben Jarvis? Yes. Why does he? Why would he love to play with him? And it's kind of like a it's a jokey answer that I assume he was hoping Ben would read and get a little giggle out of. Because I had sex with his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> because he has a nice smile. Okay. Yeah, that too. What is the best rule in football? Um, best rule in football is a deliberate out of bounds. No, you got to stamp this out. David King's big on this. You got to stamp it out. You got to give him seven weeks. Seven weeks. Make an example of him. Uh, oh, okay. Head high contact. Head high tackle. Yes. What is the worst rule? And they have kind of reintroduced this in a in a in a way. Ooh, they've reintroduced this in a way. Um... So it was a rule. It went away. Now it's sort of back in a different form. No, don't know. The sub rule. Oh, okay. The sub rule, yeah. Why was that the worst rule? 
I don't think the players like being in the sub. Right. I think so. Because it's like you are the 25th best player in our team. And also you don't know on game day whether you're going to play, then you're only activated at certain times. Like I think for the person who's the sub, it's not a very fun. So this is, you know, that's the sort of thing a sub would say. You know who's not complaining about the sub rule? Marcus Bontempelli. Because the sub rule isn't bothering Marcus Bontempelli. How many games does he watch each each weekend? He doesn't give a specific Mm. number. It's just a generality. Okay, not many. Lots. Oh. He loves a footy, does Luco. I don't feel like I've got inside Luco's head at all at this, at no, this stage. No, you really, you know, you're, you're, no, you're nobody uh, Ben Jarvis, that's for sure. Uh, what's his favourite TV footy show? Uh, front bar. Exactly right. I was going to say, this is, this, you've had a few shots on goal you've missed. This is the nerve settler. You needed to get one right just to kind of just get. I really did up. concentrate on that one as if it makes a difference. <laughs> Favorite commentator, boundary rider. Uh, Daisy Pierce. Uh, I think he'll more along the lines of his mate with a nice smile. Uh, Robbo. <laughs> Why did you say Robbo? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, Cameron Ling. Oh, okay. Why does he like Cameron Ling? Uh, because he has a nice smile. Because <laughs> he's a legend. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm not really getting a good impression of Luco. Maybe he's, <laughs> is he from Geelong? I, I, I would assume so. It sounds like he is. I just thought Jack Lukosius, from looking at him, and I've never heard him interviewed or anything, he looked like – I thought he was like Jack Watts. I thought he was like this private schoolboy. But he seems like he's a much more salt-of-the-earth kind of – you know, guy from Geelong. I know nothing about Jack Lukosius, as this quiz has uh, proven, but I still don't feel like I really know. Which teammate should appear on The Bachelor? Uh, he's an Irishman. Uh, First name Pierce. No, don't know. Pierce. <laughs> Pierce me off, mate. Don't Pierce, Pierce me off. Pierce. Pierce Medoc. Medoc. Uh, teammate most likely to succeed after football. I don't know. Uh, Jack Bowles. Why? Mm. because Matt Rowell isn't on the list yet when I'm answering this. <laughs> he saves all his money. He's tight. What's his favourite Netflix series? <sighs> no. I've got no sense of what he would be watching on Netflix. Um, it's got a number in the title. Give me a genre. I don't know. I think it's drama. <sighs> Bridgerton. 13, 13 Reasons Why. Do you know oh that series? Yeah, I think it's like about teen suicide. Oh my god! Is he okay, Jack Lukosius? <laughs> Should we be? Does he play Fortnite? Oh, I, I honestly don't know. My, I'm going to say no, which means that it's yes. It's yes. <laughs> you're doing the George Costanza. Yeah, it's the opposite of what your instincts are. Exactly. Okay. Um, my favorite question every week is who is his favorite comedian? <laughs> well, you know what. One week, I'm glad it's not me because I have no sense what this guy likes or is into. I can't get a vibe for him. Australian? Yes. Carl Barron? Yes. <laughs> like, have we missed something? Does Carl Barron do gigs exclusively for footballers? How is he the Shawshank Redemption of Australian comedians? Carl Barron is firstly a brilliant comedian so that is part of it like part of it's just because he's very good secondly Carl Barron is one of those people that I would imagine particularly for footballers of this generation would have been one of those comedians they were able to watch when they were younger because like a lot of Carl's appeal he had these incredibly successful DVDs but they're family friendly but still really funny so if you're introducing your kids to comedy like sitting down with your kids to watch like a Carl Barron show would be perfectly these kids are all of the right age that they would have kind of been raised on 
Carl Barron as a comedian. Um, he's got accessible humour. You can watch him on a plane. Anyway, listen, I'm not here to promote Carl Barron. <laughs> I'm here to say, why? why is the answer never me? It's never you. It's so <laughs> funny. Like, you're actually a comedian who yeah. does football-themed content. <laughs> you well, would have like, Even, to point. be honest, quite a successful comedian. <laughs> like, not even, just not, but never. Like, never. not one person ever in the history of Procket Profiles when they've been asked who their favourite comedian is said me. But then they don't, they've never said Mick Malloy either. And Mick Malloy is also a famous, successful comedian who does football-related content. Like, maybe that's the issue. Maybe you're too omnipotent. Oh, no, what's the word? Omnipresent. And so they just are like, well, Will's getting all the plaudits. Poor old little Carl Barron. He needs a shout-out. Where's Carl Barron's footy podcast? <laughs> what's his favourite animal? Uh, um, domestic or like wild wild in, animal uh, it's a wild animal and uh, not in australia international animal of an internet uh, a tiger no um this animal has never failed a concussion test uh a giraffe no an elephant because it never forgets. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, no, that does make <laughs> does sense. That, that I was thinking because their like, necks were really long <laughs> and so their head would be up high. But anyway. Well, it makes sense too because he hates the head high tackle. So, you know, that, the giraffe wasn't a bad guess. Um, what's his favorite possession? It's a, it's a gym. It's a gym. It's something you'd find in a gym or, or a personal training studio or something. Um, it's not an exercise bit of equipment. It's more of a recovery bit of equipment. Uh, foam rolling pads. Foam roller. Did I give you too much? Oh, I don't God, know. I'm so bored with his life. <laughs> he really <laughs> is. Your favorite possession a is a foam, foam rolling roller. pad. There you go. Just bloody put on your Carl Baron DVD, get your blue fucking Gatorade and roll out your fucking hamstrings. What do you think is going on with that answer? Do you think he's being funny? Nope. You think he genuinely, because he just, he's got sore legs and he likes to roll them out while he's, like you say, listening to his Carl Barron DVD. I, I mean, I don't know. I've it doesn't lost. reflect well on Carl Barron, I'll be honest with you. And I'm, look, I'm not saying anything bad about Carl Barron, but the fact that a guy whose favorite object is a foam roller also nominates you as his favorite comedian. Yeah, because Carl Barron is the foam roller of comedians. <laughs> Loosens up those hammies. <laughs> all right, you're going to fucking hate this. I think, look, maybe this is all tongue-in-cheek because this next answer, the best gift you've ever received. Now, let me preface this by saying, commonly, as a comedian, Will, when people talk about the worst present they ever receive, maybe mm. from their grandma or something, what do they say? Um, a handkerchief with snot in it. <laughs> That's oddly specific. <laughs> Did that happen to you with your grandmother? I was just thinking of what the worst thing your grandmother might have on her. No, no. I mean, like, what's a comedy trope about the worst Socks thing you get and jocks. Socks and jocks. What do you think Jack Lacocious's favourite gift is? Socks and jocks? Underwear. So that's what's oh, making me think that God. maybe he's working with a bit of dry humour with a foam roller mm, and a... Too dry. I don't know. It's a, dra too dry. it's a drought when it comes to your humour. I'm going to say Lacocious. What is the first thing you would buy if you won the lottery? Very common answer. A personality of some kind. <laughs> a big house. <laughs> What's his favourite holiday destination? I'm going to have to Google this because I don't even know where it is. Uh, 
Okay, is it in Australia or is it international? I, I would guess it's Australian. Okay, um, and he lives on the Gold Coast. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, okay, so he lives in the Gold Coast. He's from South Australia. It's a South Australian um, uh, location, but it's not a famous one. I don't, okay. at least I've never. Well, tell me then. It's Port Julia. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I never had a firm opinion about Jack Lacocious before this pocket profile, but it has turned me against him in so many ways that I can't understand. He's, he says Port Julia and then in brackets, the shack, because maybe it's like some kind of... No, no, he's just talking about a, a regular shack. The shack in Port Julia. Okay, I'm just looking it up. This is on, on H-O-U-Z-Z. It's just an Airbnb. He literally has just named an Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> that is shockingly mundane. My God, you are B&B, boring and boring. Who is the most famous person he's met? It's another footballer. I believe it's a teammate. I'm just double checking. Matt Rowell, the Gold Coast um, kid, Matt Rowell. No, he plays for Brisbane. Oh, no, actually, he plays for the Gold Coast. Well, maybe, hang on. He seems to have played for both. No, he plays for Brisbane now. Michael Ricciatelli. No, I know. He plays for Brisbane now. Yes. Um, uh, I don't know. Oh, no, sorry. No, no, that's right. <laughs> he started at the Suns. He, he joined the Lions in 2019. Uh, his first name is Callum. Yep. His surname sounds like a sneeze. Callum Chu. <laughs> Callum Archie. Archie. Oh, Callum Archie. What did you say, Callum Archie? You were so close. <laughs> um, well, here is an answer you'll never get right. Who's the most famous person he would like to meet? LeBron James. <laughs> LeBron James. How goddamn predictable. What is his dream job if he w wasn't a footballer? It's another sport. He'd like to be a professional at... Uh, uh, professional basketballer. New no. Australian, not just an Australian sport, but played... Professional cricketer. Cricketer. Where is his dream place to live? This is like, by the way, taking away my will to live. Ready? Oh my god! This is like this has not been fun at I all. I am so sorry about this, but I don't blame us. I blame bloody yeah. Luca because <laughs> this is. I mean, it is honestly. I am laying down because the bed is the only place I have to record this podcast. But I feel like I've sunken down in the bed during this pocket profile based on all these answers. Where is the? Is it Port Julia in that fucking shack? It's more boring and generic than that. Like his dream place to live is, um, it's anywhere that has a internet Wi-Fi. <laughs> anywhere that has a beach. So oh good thing you live in Australia, God. mate. What scares you the most? Um, interesting things. <laughs> Nothing scares him. Oh, nothing. What is the one... Nothing. Okay. Not scared by, not scared by anything. Uh, what's the one talent he wishes he had? And it's, again, it's to do with athletics. He'd like to be a, uh, an, an athlete in a particular... So, I don't know why... I His answer is so boring, I'm finding it hard to just give you clues. What is the one talent you wish he had? He'd like to be good at this sport. He'd like to be good at cricket. No. Oh. He'd like to be good at golf. No. Is it even more boring than golf? It's actually probably pretty exciting, but you, it's a sport you're not a fan of. Tennis. No. Oh. It's, more, it's a combat sport. Oh, boxing. Boxing. He would like to be a good boxer. <sighs> that, was, that was hard going. I apologize. Oh, man. You guys, one cup audience. 
I only read the first it's couple of answers. Real. I thought we we're off to a good start, and then uh, it's like, gee, that was a it's really, like was real old time. school footy. We're going to have to bring in some new rule for the pocket profile. <laughs> some sort of Jack Lukosius is so boring. It's making me dislike Stewie Jew. <laughs> I'm questioning. I love Stewie Jew, but I'm questioning his judgment. Like, surely they did an interview with him before they drafted him. If that was. If that was the level of responses they were getting when they're doing their psychological uh, analysis of him, then I don't know. You got to question his judgment. I, Maybe Kane turn Kane turns Kane Kane twerp corns is right about Stewie. Well, I'd like to see the twerp start calling out some pocket profiles. Yeah. You know, like I mean, it's 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 okay to attack Stewie Jew and the way his players play the game, but what about the way his players attack the pocket profile? You're from South Australia. You've probably been to that boring shack in in fucking Camp Julia or wherever the fuck it was. Like, oh man, that hurt me. That was so boring. Uh, well, it's time for our brand new segment. Where's Matt at? Um, we're sort of starved of Matt Rowell news, but uh, we want to keep him going in the podcast somehow i searched high and low i even put a call out on twitter asking for any inside goss on where matt's at not a lot so what i thought i'd do though was um i just punched his name into instagram and there are so many matt rowell pages i thought we could just go through a few of them and just see what people matt rowell fans um we did have a suggestion uh for another segment name i like where matt's at but um someone said we could call it rowling coverage oh now for some rowling coverage Let's find out for some where coverage. Matt's at. Matt's at. Oh, there you go. We'll, 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 we'll rowl it all together, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Matt Rowell, his um, actual Instagram account is uh, Rowley18. Uh, he doesn't update it very much. The last update he did was on the 25th of Feb, where it's him doing a hot lap in a, in a, in a, in a race car. I've watched that, by uh, the way. Yeah, it's, it's, it's everything you'd want and more. By the way, uh, we're on Instagram. Two Guys, One Cup AFL is on Instagram. Um, every week we put our tips up on a Thursday afternoon. We, we shoot a little video where we, we give our tips this week, uh, where we give our tips each week. So you should sign up if you're on Instagram. Two Guys, One Cup AFL. We should start posting, like giving people warning of when we're going to go live as well if people want to join in. Some people have been joining in anyway. But, um, you know, maybe we can like shoot out a little message, you know, just 15 minutes before or whatever, or, or yeah, in that morning and just say, hey, we're going to be online. But you can, uh, Charlie pins them on the account and you can watch them later anyway. Uh, so there's the first fan page is called Matt Rowell is my dad. They have 57 followers. It's the official Matt Rowell meme page. Memes aren't very good. They've basically just swapped out all, a bunch of Chuck Norris jokes for Matt Rowell. For instance, Will. Matt Rowell took a lie detector test. The machine confessed everything. <laughs> Still good, though. Still good material. It doesn't really work, though, because I'm not sure if Matt Rowell... You don't sort of think of him as being tough, like... Don't you want your memes to be about him being, like, 100 years old in the body of an 18-year-old? I mean, yeah, but, I, like, I think that comes with some sort of level of gravitas or toughness. Okay. Matt Rowell doesn't win the Brownlow. The Brownlow wins Matt Rowell. Yeah. Um... Teachers had to raise their hand if they wanted to speak to Matt Rowell. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good. Is it really? Yeah. Because that's more like he was a, a man boy. You know, he was a man before his time. That works, I think, to Matt Rowell. Um, okay, this is the uh, Matt Rowell dot fan page website. And the last post was on the 4th of July last year where it says, the goat has dislocated his shoulder in the first quarter. Would agree with that. How about this page? Daily Matt Rowell. This is on Instagram at Daily Matt Rowell. It is a post of a posting of the same photo of Matt Rowell every day until he wins the Brownlow. And so you can see, it's just literally an entire feed of the same photo 
of Matt Rowell, uh, Daily Matt Rowell. I'm going to actually sign up for that because that is something that I would enjoy seeing in my feed every day. Uh, then we have uh, the Matt Rowell fan page, which has a photo of the Chicago Bulls, the uh, Jordan era Chicago Bulls, with all the heads replaced with Gold Coast players. <laughs> and a Stewie Jew, who would be very grateful to have a photoshopped body. He's on Phil Jackson. Uh, and it says, Stewie Jew is cooking up something. And that was posted last year. And then it's another photo of Matt Rowell with the headset on saying, I still think he'll win the Brownlow, even though he's injured. <laughs> he probably will. <laughs> What's the minimum amount of games you could win a, a Brownlow with? Do you reckon he could play half a season and still win the Brownlow? Yes, absolutely. Ten games, eight best on grounds, you could win the Brownlow. Um, okay. So a lot of these uh, Instagram pages uh, have a theme of Matt Rowell is going to win a Brownlow. So this is big underscore Matt underscore Rowell. It's a photo of Matt Rowell and it says, Congratulations, Matt Rowell, for winning the 2020 Brownlow. I don't know. I stopped watching after round four. <laughs> <laughs> And the last one is uh, Daily Matt Rowell, which uh, <laughs> under the bio, it says, please pray for Matt Rowell. Hashtag RIP. Hashtag I fly with Matt. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that means. Did he die and we didn't know? Is that why there's been no news on Matt Rowell? Did he die and we just, we didn't hear about it? He'll be back though. He's, he's the sort of guy, Matt Rowell, that like death won't stop Not him. even death. Yeah. <laughs> He was uh, buried with a- 52 footballs. <laughs> <laughs> we also put the call out on Twitter, Will, for any uh, comments or, or feedback from uh, this round just gone. Uh, this is from Willful. He says, uh, markers up versus kick to kick, which is better? So I don't know. Did you call it markers? We called it Jack in the Pack. We called it kick to kick. No, well, kick to kick is where you just kick it. But what about where someone goes for a flies to the marker? Is that just your kick to kick? Just kick to kick. That was just part of kick to kick. Okay. Um, what's better, kick to kick or, well, I guess for you it's the same thing, so it doesn't really matter. I think that Jack in the Pack is better than kick to kick. I have no opinion on this. We used to do Jack in the Pack in a pool because you could go for bigger hovers. You could go, you could really fly for it and hurt yourself. So there'd be like six guys. i got to be honest with you. I'm not even sure when you say Jack in a Pack, it sounds grosser than... Like, obviously, you know what it is, but Jack in a Pack feels like a real private school boy seem to be doing. What is Jack in a Pack? I'm not sure what Jack, Jack in the Pack. And this like, why, like, why don't I don't eat chips anymore? Because someone jacked in the pack. <laughs> like. uh, Dane wants to know, who's your Brownlow Smokey? Probably one of those Sydney guys that I've never heard of. I mean, they're entire, that's an entire team of Smokies to me. Tex Walker. Tex Walker's probably got like nine or ten Brownlow votes at the moment. Imagine if Adelaide... Is he a Smokey though? A Smokey's flies under the radar. Tex is... No, but it's like... Page. Tex was going to get retired at the end of this season, at the start of this season. True. I feel like Tex Walker's a Smokey for the Brownlow. If Tex Walker won the Brownlow, that would be... No one saw that coming. JMO wants to know if Will has kept his late September, early October free of gigs. Uh, I haven't put anything in at this stage, but I'm not like, I mean, it's a long season and you know what I would love? Like, cause everything's still up in the air at the moment, but what I would really love is if West Coast are as good as they looked on Saturday night. And that means that we're also really good, but I don't know if we're really good or not yet. Like we haven't played enough good teams for me to know if, if the Bulldogs are really good or not yet. Uh, Claire wants to know, what are your thoughts on the discussions around player swapping during the season? Uh, I think Damien Hardwick floated this, the idea that you could borrow uh, for needs. You could borrow a team from the from a, another club. Seems weird. Like the sniff test, the pub test, uh, my immediate reaction is like, 
I think that's weird that like you know you've got a guy on the twos who's suddenly playing for the Lions or something because they need a ruckman. It doesn't. I would have. I would have thought further. that Damien Hardwick would have been steering away from com- mm. conversations around swapping your partners swapping? during yeah. the seasons. I would have thought that was an area he might have wanted to avoid. I think it further erodes the idea. I mean, it's all, it's all just like bullshit anyway. But we love to think that like club loyalty is huge and you play for the jumper and all that kind of stuff. Something like that would just expose all that for the sham it is. And I want to live in that dream world where I believe that. You know, my team are playing because they love the club and not because they're on, you know, getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to be there. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I like it. Is my, I think uh, that yeah. there is that, I think there's that thing about, you know, you get your list at the start of the season and then occasionally shit goes wrong and you have to deal with that shit that goes wrong. But that's what you define your season. So, no, I, I, I mean, I'm fine with the medical sub as well, but I don't agree with that idea that somehow you should replace all injured players on the ground or anything. I think sometimes that's what the game is about. It's attrition as well as, you know, the idea of compete competing against each other. Claire says, which player would each of you add from another team to fill a gap if you could pick one, only one well-known guns or someone from the figurative left field? Well, I mean, we are desperate for a Ruckman and we talked about Nick Natanui. If I could just grab anyone, it would be him or, or Max Gorn. I think that would be that would be my first choice. If you could take anyone, who would you get? Harris Andrews, without a fucking doubt. Oh, yeah, you, you, 100% you, you, Harris Andrews. I, if, uh, if we had Harris Andrews playing at the Bulldogs, I'd, I'd say that we were like one of the, definitely one of the premiership favourites. Uh, Avril, I'm assuming this is Avril Levine, wants to know, after their round three performance, do you consider the Swans a top four side? Could be. They look like, I mean, they're playing like a top four side at the moment. Whether they can play like a top four side for the entire season is yet to be seen. But the football they're producing, like I said to you last week, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. And then I watched it and I fucking saw it and I believed it. They yeah. looked legit. Like you said, Richmond weren't terrible. Like, you know, the Swans were just really, really good and they've got still a lot of upside. I think they'll have tougher days than they're having at the moment. But yeah, I think they're a legitimate finals contender without a doubt. Well, the other thing too is you forget that because last year the SCG was just such a... uh, They were leaking goals and you're like, oh, well, they've lost their home ground advantage. But now they're playing well away. I mean, they beat the Tigers on the MCG. You can't understate how huge that is. Also, it's almost as if the home ground advantage isn't about the fucking ground. It's about the crowd. <laughs> it's a home crowd advantage. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not like people suddenly go to another. I mean, there is an element of that if you train on a ground that's substantially different. But so much of what we call home ground advantage is actually home crowd advantage. And when there's no crowds, that advantage is taken away. Uh, Graham wants to know, any ideas what Mark Lacroix is up to these days? Well, it's been a long time. Should we... Mm. Should we give Mark a call, Will? Oh, could we? Yeah, let's let's do that. Yeah, okay. we're recording at an okay time today for the time difference. Okay, cool. Hello, hello, is uh, Mark Lacroix. Who am I speaking with? Uh, Mark, it's it's uh, Will and Charlie from uh, Two Guys One Cup, an AFL podcast. Uh, we just uh, had one of our listeners uh, check in, and they wanted to know what was going on with you. Where where do we find you, Mark? Uh, you find me right now in repose. I have just spent all night, all day, or whatever time it is right now in Paris, writing my poetry. I am working on my memoirs, which is a collection of Marc Lacroix's thoughts about football and life. 
Now, Mark, can I ask, because you say that you're in Paris riding, but I'm seeing the news reports coming out of France at the moment that you're in the middle of yet another coronavirus pandemic and there are tens of thousands of people dying of the virus every day. Are you safe, Mark? Ah, bullshit! The coronavirus is nothing to worry about. That is nothing that not, can be not dealt with with a good glass of wine and some fresh fromage. Anyone who is scared of the virus is a pussy. <laughs> Mark, really? I didn't realise that this... Because from Australia, where there are no COVID cases at the moment and no COVID deaths, we're seeing this report coming out of, you know, France and and Paris in particular of all these people dying. You're not worried about, you know, moderating your behaviour in a different way to stop all these unnecessary deaths? Well, when it is Mark Lacroix's time... He will face up to the heavenly gates and spit in the faith of God. <laughs> Sorry, spit in the... F- <laughs> uh, my voice, I smoked too many cigarettes last night. <laughs> I got something caught in my throat. I will spit in the face of the Almighty. When your time comes, you must face it with courage and verve. You cannot live your life in fear. And by the way, coronavirus, if it exists, is caused by 5G. Everybody knows that. <laughs> So, so, Mark, can I ask you firstly, what is what is your uh, memoir going to be called? Ah, well, let me think about that. <laughs> Making their mark in bracket Lacroix. <laughs> I'm sure no one has thought of that title before. And if they have, fuck them. <laughs> oh my God, Mark. And what about West Coast? West Coast are going pretty well this season. Look pretty, very impressive on the weekend. Have you been oh, following Yes, the I do. I certainly do. My good friend JJK seems to be back in form. Let me tell you, if this standing the mark rule had existed when Mark Lacroix was still on the field, I would have kicked 20 goals in a game. That is a certainty. Well, Mark, it's been a great pleasure to catch up with you. Thank you for taking some time on Two Guys, One Cup, uh, an AFL podcast. Charlie, you, you don't have any questions for Mark? Uh, yeah, Mark, um, tell me, uh, what is your favorite meal? Well, Charlie, I'm glad you asked because I am making it right now. It is a little escargot with some garlic and some <laughs> onions that I have tied around my neck. Or is it a garlic tied around my neck? I can't forget. Anyway, <laughs> I shall go. It's time to ride my back to the River Sin and not die from coronavirus. <laughs> All right. Wow. Mark Lacroix. So good, good to have to, him on the show. Good to catch up with Mark. Really angry. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he feels a little feisty, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, and he's like a he's a total bloody uh, 5G uh, conspiracy now. I didn't do anything. He's gone a bit QAnon, unfortunately, yeah. Mark. Uh, Gavin wants to know, who would play Razor Ray in a biopic? I think the guy's got a book in him. I don't know. What? I don't even know what Razor Ray looks like. Um, a character actor of some kind. Uh, like, is he bald, Razor Ray? Yeah, yeah. I reckon he could be, like, not a Stephen Curry. He'd be, like, 10 years ago. Well, actually, you know what? Like, kind of one of those, like, you know, Guyton Grantley types, you know, a bit of Character a transformation. Actor. To I think if you were going to get the Razor Ray story up, you'd need to cast someone as recognisable as, you know, he's been Carl Williams. Now he's going to be the other biggest villain in Australia, <laughs> Razor Ray. Uh, Case wants to know, is it possible that Tex Walker has died in the off-season and mm. his body is currently being inhabited by the spirit of a dead footballing legend? Yes. Well, it could have just be inhabited by him himself because there was a time where Tex Walker used to play like this yeah. regularly. Yes, he's been inhabited by Tex Walker himself. from the past. Yeah, <laughs> that's what's happened. Uh, Masham wants to know, can we bring back the butcher's coat? I assume they're talking about the umpire. 
in emergencies, they could take it out to reveal the lime green and gray outfit. I would love to see the old school goal umpire's uniform, the white trench coat and the white pork pie hat. Bring that back. 100%. I, I, I don't know why we got rid of it. I, I still love it. Even if it was just you wore it for the start. So when all the umpires go to the start, they all have their hats on, they have their jackets on, and then they go down to the goal square and they take off their, you can hang up your, you can hang up your jacket on one of the goalposts and hang your hat on the other goalposts. And then just like you're in your sort of to-go gear. Uh, Patty says, uh, on the couch isn't really on a couch. They're all on armchairs with no room to sit side by side with each other. They should use a couch. What do you, that's a hot take. What do you reckon about that? It's what coronavirus has killed though. Coronavirus has killed the couch. Tim wants to know, what do you think of Derm's comments on Bailey Smith? Seem a bit rich coming from the Greens' number one fan. So uh, I believe that Derm was saying that he doesn't like the way Bailey stirs up the opposition. He's disrespectful. He'll like to give them a bit of lip. I reckon that's pretty rich coming from a guy who charged through an opposition huddle once. I mean, pretty rich coming from a guy who pretty much did that all the fucking time. Bailey Smith does do that, though. My, one of my favourite images from the North Melbourne game is when Josh Bruce kicks his 10th goal and all the Bulldogs are there celebrating except for Bailey Smith and, Tony, uh, and Tom Liberatore who are off having a fight with the North Melbourne guys. And I'm like, everybody celebrates in their own ways. Those guys, when they're having a good time, they just like to get into a fight. Uh, Jason says, do you think the Tigers will win a three-peat? My prediction is they're done and will go out in straight sets like the Hawks of 2016. Um, one thing I would say over the last couple of years is you never write off Richmond early in the season. Richmond they starts slow. They'll they, be fine. They, they, just sit, they just sit neutral for the first eight rounds. and then it, yeah, I reckon if, if, they I, make, if they make the finals, they're a chance to win it. We all know that. And I can't see them not making the finals. Yeah, I think they're going to win it again. That's my personal feeling. I actually think watching the game that they won't win it again at the moment, which is exciting. But yeah, I think they still could. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode. Uh, remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Two Guys One Cup AFL and on Instagram now at Two Guys One Cup AFL. Our video tips go up every Thursday afternoon on Instagram. And you can also check us out at tofop.com. We do a bunch of other great podcasts. Will does one called Willosophy. Who's on this week, Will? Michelle Brazier and uh, in a couple of days, Judith Lucy will also be up there. So an excellent new episode with Judith Lucy. And Fofop this week is Daniel Sloss. Daniel back on the podcast. And it's very funny because... Uh, anyway, uh, James Fosdake does all the original art for all our podcasts and you can go to his Redbubble page and you can buy posters and t-shirts and all sorts of merchandise. And there is one from an episode 100 of Fofop called The Fofengers. I did this live show at Meltdown in LA and uh, it had Jen Kirkman in it, Dave Anthony, uh, Gareth Reynolds, Daniel Sloss and we're all characters from The Avengers. And for years, it's been sitting there and James is always like, at some stage, Marvel are going to come along and they're going to make us take this down because it's copyrighted. And then one day it got taken down, Charlie, but it wasn't taken down by Disney. It wasn't taken down by Marvel. It was taken down by the people who brought you Daniel Sloss. And so I break that news to Daniel Sloss on the podcast (laughs) and you have to listen for his reaction. It is so much fun so have a listen to Fofop and of course I am doing live shows at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival I'm doing my show Will Legal 
It is on until the end of the festival at the Arts Centre and then the final Saturday night of the festival, I'm doing my improvised show, What You Talking About, Will, at 10.30 at the Comedy Theatre. And there's also the latest episode of TOEFOP, which just went up uh, today or yesterday when you hear this, uh, if this comes out tomorrow. Anyway, I do my brain in every time I try and work out the release schedule of this show. But uh, that's back and running. We have lots of shows. And the best way you can support us is to go to patreon.com slash TOEFOP. If you support us uh, on, on Patreon, all that money goes into all the shows we do. We don't have an individual one for Two Guys, One Cup yet. I feel like we have a lot of crossover with the audience, but um, we do rely on, on Patreon support to uh, keep the show running and to pay the people who work for us. So if you feel like you could spare a dollar or two, go to patreon.com slash TOEFOP. Uh, but for now, play on Not 15. Ball. We are Two Guys, One Cup.